Your friend Tarka's gonna kill us all. What are you talking about? I saw his calculations. If he pulls the power source while the DMA's up and running, the hyperfield will implode, destroying everything and anyone inside of it. He said it'll be safe. He lied. In the subspace rift it'll leave near Earth will kill everyone almost as fast as the DMA would. You're just saying that so I'll let you out. Tell him to show you the math. His equations won't make any sense, but the look on his face will. Like I said, pain makes people blind. You need to make this right. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnig, and with me, betraying our closest friends are... Rudikus Baker. And Emily Bowen-Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we are covering the 12th episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery, Species 10C. Make sure to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, tell your friends to listen to this podcast. We appreciate getting new listeners. And another way you can help us do that is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or other podcast software you use to listen to this podcast. And as always, um, we owe you a spoiler warning or uh, essentially, you know, if you haven't watched Species 10C for Discovery Season 4 uh, and you want to watch it before listening to the podcast, please Go ahead and do so. Uh, we may also spoil other parts of the Trek universe um, in relation or sci-fi in general, and sometimes even beyond that. There's a real world out there as well. <laughs> so uh, you have been warned. I wish we could give real world spoilers for what's to come. That would be yeah, great. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to remind uh, my co-hosts right now that this episode will uh air quote unquote or at least be on our feed after the episode where we talk about picard so just keep that in mind if you can throw in some uh you know some something in this episode that that is kind of um that then you can reference in the picard episode later as like you know uh what what is it premonition Uh, yeah i forget the the phrase precognition Precognition. not precognition what is the it's like a, the, the, when a TV show references something that's going to come in a future episode. Foreshadow. 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 Uh, so, so feel free to leave in things that you will foreshadow later when we talk about Picard. But uh, for yeah. now, for now, <laughs> we are discussing Species 10C, the 12th episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. It first aired on 10th March 2022. It was written by Kyle Jarrow and directed by Olotunde Osunsanmi. Here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. As the DMA approaches Earth and Navar. Captain Burnham and the crew of the USS Discovery attempt to make first contact with the powerful species responsible before it's too late. And here's my little addition. And Tarka decides to go all John Rambo on uh, Book and Jet Reno. Uh, here are our... We always start with our strange new takes. So I'm going to go first this time. Uh, just a quick note. And I say this because actually one of my neighbors does listen to this podcast. Hi, Paul. Um, <laughs> I had a, po- a, a porch pirate steal a package out of my mailbox. So I'm actually thinking of ways that I can secure packages on my mailbox. And I think I'm going to, I'm thinking like, you know, a, a big box of some sort on the patio that isn't obviously like a, a package hidden thing, but like it'll have like it etched in it in like a knife, like packages here so it only is like hidden and you can't see it from the road but you can see the the lettering 
if you're there like delivering a package uh, or maybe there'll be like some sort of motion activated sound that comes on when you come on the porch. Hey, delivery person, put the package in this really discreet box that I'm telling <laughs> you to put it in. Or maybe a hologram of me says, says, help me package delivery person, put the package in here. And then R2-D2 goes back in the house. Uh, I'm still thinking this plan through, so it might be a little half-baked. But, uh, you know, I'll report back when I have a solution. Anyway, for this episode... Man, it's great to be like, oh, wow, a Discovery episode that I can unironically rate high without giving it the benefit of the doubt like everybody else does. Like, I don't use the Discovery rating scale, and this one is going to get a high episode, high rating for me just on its own merit. Wow. Wonder of wonder. Yeah, (laughs) right? Wow, that is a spoiler. Wow. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, Referring back to our real world just hope it's it's not too complicated for people on the International Space Station, um, mm-hmm. different countries on there. Um, I've seen some stuff on Twitter as well. I won't allude to it, but if you basically go and see like Google ISS and Twitter and there's some senior people doing crazy things, saying crazy things, and it takes me back to um, a decent movie, the sequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, 2010, The Year We Make Contact is the name. I just hope uh, there's uh, a Helen Mirren type of person in Russia and and uh, things prevail, um, and you know sense prevails rather. Um, in connection to this episode, um, yeah, um, it's so good to see references to other sci-fi lore, which I'll 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 bring in. At least I saw a couple of homage type references, and it's uh, it's. It kept you thinking, right? Um, so, yeah. I don't want to spoil my my rating, but it kept me thinking. Well, my strange new take is um, I did my first lobby day since the pandemic began up in Jefferson City. Um, I'm sure none of you know what my political leanings are. Um, <laughs> none of you have been able to tell by the things that I've said on this podcast. But... Um, basically I have a lot, there are a lot of representatives and senators in Jeff city who do not agree with me on anything. So usually I'm speaking with people who don't agree with me, but it's always respectful, you know, and, and we, you know, share our different, our differences of opinion and, and concerns about different bills and everything. But this past Tuesday marks the first time that I, along with the people I was with, were kicked out of a legislator's office (laughs) simply because one of the women who happened to be black, and that's important to the story, I'm pretty sure, um, deigned to speak while he was relaying a story about something that happened in our city, not where he's from, but happened in our city. And she just kind of, while he was speaking, she kind of inserted a little bit of clarification of the situation he was talking about. And he asked us all to leave. He's like, you all can just leave now. And he like called his, his assistant to come escort us out. And we're like, wait, what she, he's like, she interrupted me. That is, you know, that is uncalled for. You clearly don't want to listen to what I have to say. So this conversation's over. And we're like, wow. Wow. Like, like he didn't interrupt her several times when she was speaking earlier. Right. Anyway, so white supremacy is strong in the capital of Missouri. (laughs) Did you you try bringing any hard hydrocarbons and light into this interaction? Like maybe that would have. I think I think it could have helped. I think it could have helped. But, you know, it's funny. I wish I had done a little research before we went and talked to this guy. We didn't know we were talking to him. 
before we got up to Jeff City because we had the organization w- planned who we were going to go see and we didn't find that out till the morning. But um, yeah, if I had done any research at all, I would have totally known that he would have kicked us out of his office because he has no ability to listen to anyone who has a different way of looking at the world than he does. But I just think it's a sign that things are really breaking down to a terrible level. So that's that's mostly my strange new take for the world is I'm just really sad about the state of affairs that that we just would rather kick someone out of our office than have a conversation about things that really matter. So anyway, that what never, you, I mean, dear I've been... listener, what you don't know is that uh, Emily's on this podcast wearing a red hat, holding an AR 15. And they were, <laughs> they were part of a group that was out there to like uh, replace the government of Missouri. At the yeah, Capitol. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh but God. yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been lobbying for 15 years. <laughs> And this is here and in, and in Washington, D.C., and that's just never happened before. So that was interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I really did need some of those um, pheromones that they had uh, um, from Species 10C. I think maybe that would have helped things. We could have given him the, I don't know, I could have come up with some clever pheromone that we could have given him, but I can't come up with it on a moment's notice. <laughs> anyway, Um but my strange you take for the episode is, God, I just need Tarka to die. So <laughs> I'm allowed to say that about like fake people who aren't, you know, fictional characters. But yeah, I just he just needs to die. And I need to not have him on my screen anymore because, um, yeah, he ruined. I, I liked the episode, but. He ruined parts of it for me. So I was just what, what like, is, what is, this is like Sean Doyle's entire career. He, the director has to be like, Sean, you've been fucking killing it, man. You've been amazing on our show, but our fans just want you to die. So we got to like fire you now. We got to give you more work, buddy. And this happens. He's like, man, I really thought this show, like I thought The Expanse was going to be the show I was a regular on. But then I thought this show, like, man, why does this always happen? <laughs> Did, did he? Oh my gosh. Did, did he irritate the heck out of us in the expanse? I mean, he was kind of devious and obviously the mean bad guy. But anyways, never mind. Um, see, see what what Rudy meant with spoilers. Like this is this is yeah. We, was... we got... <laughs> it goes beyond just the Star Trek franchise. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, well, let, let's let's we have we have two episodes to do today, so we've got to jump in and do the uh, do the do this one quickly with with as few deviations as we can. Um, I, I gotta make one though. Sorry, Notch. You won't <laughs> like it, but I gotta make it. Um, <laughs> Sometimes pheromones don't work, um, <laughs> but if you want to use other kinds of hydrocarbons um, to convey your point next time you're in legislation, you can totally We need Emily's that. pups to have the, have the <laughs> lights <laughs> along with the hydrocarbons he just released. But uh, There's all kinds of hydrocarbons. Co- Gaseous anomalies are rampant right now. Destroy <laughs> Earth. Um, all right, let, let's, let's start with Book and Tarko and just... Just fi- let's let's finish talking about them because I think we we will probably have quite a lot to say about the things that occurred on Discovery, other than rather than book ship, and they were kind of unrelated. You know, Nadoye was the was was the thread connecting the two, but it's it's kind of a tenuous thread in this episode. So let's let's just finish talking about Book and Tarka before the break here. Um, Emily, you have feelings about our friend Ruan Tarka? I do, because. I called it 
from like almost the moment he walked onto the screen towards the beginning of this series. And it's so enraging to me that no one else seemed to recognize it. Um, I mean, Book just waited until it was too late because Tarka is smart enough to recognize that eventually he's going to be found out. And like, I mean, uh, Sean, what's his name? Sean Doyle. Sean Doyle. Um, so, I mean, good acting on his part, because I, I think he's meaning to telegraph it to the audience, you know, so we kind of have this idea. But I just don't see how Book doesn't see it, too. But I mean, it was very clear when he was doing his calculations that it wasn't going to effing work. <laughs> like, it was very clear. And I was like, what is wrong with this man that... The risk of him dying. If he dies, he's not going to get to this paradise that he is expecting to get to because it's not a paradise you get to by dying. It's a paradise you get to by transporting yourself there through some, you know, inter-universal or inter- uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Dimension. You know, inter-whatever. So um, I don't understand why he... Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's just interesting to me that he's... Willing Because it seemed to me up until this point, I guess this was a little change in his character, maybe. It seemed to me up until this point, it was self-preservation and self-interest that was driving him, right? He did not he did not give a damn about anyone else. He doesn't care about Book's planet. He doesn't care about Earth. He doesn't care about Navarre. Like, he's, has, he does not care about anyone else but himself. Mm -hmm. But in this case, he also seemed to not care about himself too much either. So that was a little interesting, but I don't know. It's just... Yeah. I'm really glad that Jet Reno's on the ship because then it made that storyline more enjoyable because I love her so much um, that it made those scenes bearable. And finally, Book, you know, got some sense knocked into his head and he clearly needed another person to do that. He was incapable of coming to that realization on his own. I, I got to say, I didn't I didn't dislike the scenes as much as you did. I think that they were very cliched in some ways. Uh, so it wasn't kind of as much of a turnoff for me um, as, as as it was for you, Emily. But I could easily see why, you know, it could be. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, I think the thing that maybe saved it a little bit for me was Book's explanation of who he is as Stephen Booker. Hey, we finally, we finally got yeah. it. It turns out he's dread by Roberts. I know. Uh, I said the same thing <laughs> when I was watching it. Um, and, and so... Um, We'll get to that in a minute, but I think where he says, like, it's my job as a career to trust and to to empathize. And I I I feel like that that's satisfied me in the sense of um, priming why he's such a moron. At the same time, it's like he's a moron because it's convenient for the plot. Let's be honest. Uh, so, um, well, because you can have empathy for a person and you can listen and have trust for a person without allowing them to. You know, like yeah. I really, I, I, you know, in my job, I am always trying to listen to people Let's... empathetically and understand that, you know, but yeah. I also know how to um, not allow someone's hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Shortcomings. 100%. No, I, I completely get it. He's a street smart courier, right? Like <laughs> he's, he's been running like trade or underhanded right. trade. So he needs to be able to sense people. I'm, I'm just going to say it very flatly. I think they had potential to, and they could have kept Tarka devious, but they had potential to like elicit a better story once the DMA reappeared and they ran both those characters into the ground, right? Like they made yeah. they may salvage them next episode, but 
this would be more believable if it was Burnham and her, what money exists? I didn't know that. Uh, naivete or Saru being like, oh man, I am a real person without fear now, but I don't know how to operate in this world. It would be a little bit more believable if it was one of them, but mm-hmm. that's not either way. I think it's, it's perfect. All I'm saying is perfectly valid complaints. I was glad that the writers leads tried to address it. And the thing that I was really glad about in this episode was that we got as much Jet Reno as we did. That was cool. What do you think? More of that, please. Yes. Um, I I feel like there's that that subtle dry humor um, aspect that really sticks out where she was like, you know, when when he's like, I consider two people in the universe or whatever as my friends and you were one of them. And then she's like, yeah, you have a funny way of showing it. <laughs> which is like uh, an understatement but um i i really thought though with her um with her credentials she would potentially like hack her way or or you know electronically get out of that situation um before she you know before it got to what it got and before book was like incapacitated so that's one surprising bit but i guess that's okay yeah, I I agree. I had the, I I thought maybe she was going to find some way out as well. But um I, you know, I think maybe I don't know. I wonder if Reno is the only person who really could have gotten through to book in the way he needed to or maybe he, book just needed to go on this ride for ju- all, like just past the point of no return to realize how blinded he was by by following Tarka. Um I so appreciated what she was saying about, you know, when you just can't recognize the the way your personal feelings or your personal attachments to a person are informing your behavior mm-hmm. sometimes until it's too late. Like this poor person who suffered for 11 days, you know, with really no hope of ever surviving. And she kept that person alive, not because of him, but because of her spouse, you know? And so, so that kind of, and just, you know, but recognizing that. And, and I thought that was just a really poignant story to share. And we already, you know, and it also wasn't one of those, uh, discovery kind of likes to reveal all these things about a character before they kill them or, um, have something really drastic happen with them. But we've already known that about Jet Reno, you know, she talked, she's talked about her wife before. And, and so, you know, those are kinds of that. So I feel like, like Reno, they've kind of developed a little more kind of throughout the whole time she's been in the series for as few episodes as she's been in. We've really learned things about her along the way, probably partly because Dignitar is just awesome. And so, of yeah. course, if you have her on an episode, you're going to want to feature her in some way. But um, yeah, anyway, I just I really appreciated um, the I appreciated what Jet Reno brought to all of those scenes. I think the other thing that was different about this appearance than the other she's been in is that it was primarily a serious dramatic mm-hmm. appearance. Like when she grabs his hand and starts stalking, grabs Book's hands and starts talking truth to him, like mm-hmm. telling him how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated the depth of her performance at that point. So not only did we get more of her, we got a very different side of Jet Reno, which mm-hmm. I really loved. Mm-hmm. And we got extended pieces of it. You know, that's two episodes in a row because last was it last episode when the conversations that she was having with I feel like we got that side of her also with um, Adira, you know, when she was talking about, you know, like we're not none of us are ever okay, you know, like 
anyway, I just thought I thought that we had some good little glimpses of that last episode too. I think the problem with me in that situation is that they've used her and Adira so much for comedy on Discovery mm. that the setting made me read it in a more unserious way. So maybe going mm. back, I'll I'll reevaluate how I read that scene. Mm-hmm. But here, because of, I think the stakes made a difference for oh, me. Oh yeah. Um, also fun to see her kind of be a fun and, uh, you know, a very competent engineer, re-engineering her communicator with licorice, kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. I think the other piece that I mentioned we would talk about later is Book's backstory. What do y'all think about the whole, there have been other Cleveland Bookers? I thought it was, I mean, it totally made me think of Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> which is, which is a reference from, we should, maybe all oh, yeah, our listeners have. The Princess Bride. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but. Good movie, good book. Everyone should check it out. From like the 80s, sometime in the 80s, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of you were not born yet. I don't know. I don't know if we have young listeners of the like 10 listeners we have. I don't I don't know how many listeners we have. I just made that up. <laughs> so, yeah. So what do you what do you think uh of the the whole um how, how do you think that influences your read of Booker's character from this point forward? Is is there something? Is Because I was expecting this to be some sort of deep story, to be honest. And I, before I tell you what I think about how I feel about the, the reveal, I wanted to hear what you all had to say. Well, I feel like it would say that he ha- there's a code of honor or something that he's kind of... Sorry to use that phrase. But... Um, <laughs> sorry, I was just thinking of that episode. But, but he has a certain code that he's following. And... Uh, um, you know, he sees himself as being being one in a line of people who uphold a certain code and an ethic for life. And and that kind of guides him. And so <clears throat> I, I guess the only thing for me to say is I, mean, I totally agree with what you're saying, Emily, but um, I wonder if there's a closure to his arc in him retiring and handing down to somebody else that we come across or we already know of um the the sixth uh, cleveland book right yeah that's hmm do you, do you think that's where it's going i, I am all, I, i'm devastated with the way they have um uh, the writers have attacked his sense of like his common sense right and like uh falling for this for so long so i really hope they uh, there is some sort of salvage so that's where i'm going with this i mean we might see next episode i mean just to skip ahead a little bit we might see them destroy book darka and jet reno together and so like that's and i think uh, that's a very real possibility yeah Gosh. And, and, you know, that, that makes Burnham's character gives her a sense of loss and might lead to some, you know, changes there. Like, uh, I would be very, very sad to, to have it. What? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that's a lot of main character death. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I, and, I, and I'll just be sad if David Ajala isn't on the show anymore. Like, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, like mm-hmm. that would be the, that, and Tig Notaro, of course. Yeah. But so that's why I'm hoping they don't do it, but it seems to be kind of prime for that, like sacrifice and emotions. And, you know, it seems very much up Discovery's alley. It so does. interesting. I, I feel that we may not see somebody. Um, well, they, I'm trying to skip ahead, though. I, I, I think they returned from that bubble. But I think from the guys communicating, right, with the aliens, I think mm-hmm. we may not see somebody come back there. There may be a sacrifice there as well. 
Although they're already um, back on the ship. Yeah, now. they're already back. I just I just realized, but uh, but I mean, it doesn't mean that's because I who was I talking? No, maybe it was a podcast I was listening to. They think that um, the president isn't going to make it back um, of the Federation. I just forgot her name, but um, and so I don't I don't know. But I the the one thing that has me thinking they won't kill Book and Tarka mm-hmm. and Reno. Um, can we just like let Michael have something and not have it like die? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, um, and it might be interesting to see how they come back from this. Although I feel like while book has made some really questionable decisions, um, there's, there can be a lot of room for grace given the yeah. enormous loss that he had. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I feel like it doesn't, I don't feel like the things that he's, he's done have necessarily been relationship breaking. Um, and he, I mean, he certainly hasn't, um, he's been, he's always had Michael at the forefront, you know, through all of the things that he's been doing. He's just, you know, he thinks he's choosing something bigger. Mm-hmm stupidity but you know uh i mean like saving uh, more people <laughs> yeah I, I you know the other thing is i mean tarka has got things wrong before so he might have like dramatically underestimated species density and they just send out a blob and they're like oh you're now our person like immediately like every they're just disabled like you could easily see that happening too so let's see what happens well uh, just as we are on a cliffhanger with the fate of uh, Book Ship, let's now put the listeners on a cliffhanger as to the fate of this podcast by going to break. We shall return. The first group of A's is always larger than the next, indicating that the B compound in the middle means greater than. Now there are other patterns as well. Mr. Saru? Uh, simply put, they are trying to teach us a bridge language, such as Linkos. Exactly. Linkos? A language based on math. The 21st century Earth organization METI predicted that it would be helpful in extraplanetary communication. The 10C must think that their language is too complicated for us to understand, so they're using this simpler one. They're reaching back. From here, we can build all sorts of communication, if-then statements, complex logic. We need to show them that we understand. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we've been comparing toothpaste and antacids. Just over-the-counter medications of all types. That's what we discussed, dear listener, when we're not coming to you in the recording. Uh, we are very exciting people to hang out with at parties, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, we uh, have our own chemical formula to work with, right? It's not just... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually communicate through mixing over-the-counter medications with lights. That was a great segue. Right? <laughs> thank God. you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You host, like... How many, I mean, so we've done 90 episodes of this podcast. I think I did like 150 of my soccer podcast, maybe even more. So at this point, I've, I've, I've done 300 or so episodes of various things. You know, my segues should be decent at this point. I should start a business selling them. Like if your podcast has bad segues, bring me on. I will segue for you. <laughs> And it's just like, you know, all you need to say is like, hey, and now we throw it to notch and I give you like the perfect segue. Um, but yeah. Visualizing. Yeah. And, and, and to illustrate this great segue, let's now move on to talking about Discovery and their first contact with Species Tensei. See, seamless. Seamless. Uh, but uh, I, 
you know, we've we've heard Bill and Adam talk on this podcast about how they were going to be have a huge letdown. The species tensi turned out to be some like dude with rubber on his face, <laughs> aka Star Trek: The Next Generation's mo- most of its episodes. So, uh, unfortunately, we don't have Adam to tell us if he was let down or not. But I want to hear what y'all thought about this reveal of species tensi. We still can't really see, can we? Like, if there's still yeah. kind of. Fog. Somewhat mysterious. Yeah, mist. Um, uh, we did get, so uh, I forget, I think it was Hirai who was running the, um, there was like a little, um, uh, what shall I call it, kind of, uh, he had like a little diagram of their physiology up. So let me, let me try to get a, sc- there it is. I'm going to show you a screen grab of that moment. Can you see the stuff? Over here, so that's what I can't. I can't tell if that that's uh, the that's one of their like insides, or if he's like because he was talking about their specific organs. But it actually looks like that's what they their entire physiology is. I mean, if you look at the the left side of um, you know, if, if, if this looks like a side view, and I, I guess our listeners can't see it, but um, that that's what tried to breach. The, it was almost like this weird skull like thing that tried to breach the mist, and you didn't quite see mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. uh, so this is this is the connect that I felt was was nice in terms of uh, if if anybody's seen the arrival, um, with Amy Adams in it, um, a first yeah. contact movie. Um, they do a really, I mean, they have the same like uh, lit lit screen, rim lit screen, and mm-hmm. there's fog on the other side. And again, I, I won't go into too many spoilers, but they take their time in in teasing us with like getting that view because once you have the view you have the view built it's like a horror movie as well very different things mm-hmm. but once you see the bad guy you kind of sense it get desensitized so um i like that um i actually taking taking a step back i what do you all think about the 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 barrier it, it felt very metallic uh, but then it didn't turn out to be it turned out to be water uh, and then there was a reference to like i felt there was a reference to um Oh, so many spoilers here. Um, the abyss water bubble creature, if you've seen the abyss, but um So I mean this was for sure like taking a lot of influence from other Star Trek mm-hmm. and other sci-fi, right? Like I thought of arrival immediately. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> designers on Discovery, you're not gonna tell me that that wasn't arrival. Like, come on. Like give Dennis Villeneuve credit where it's due. Let's just let's just call it what it is. We saw an arrivals rip off in some ways over here, which I'm fine with because that was compelling. I thought that was compelling. Mm-hmm. To your point, Rudy, I thought that the exterior sphere, it looked very much like the um, kind of like the Zindi device, like the, yeah. the, the runes and stuff on that. It, it reminded <laughs> me very much of that from Star Trek. So to me, I think that 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 barrier, the goo, the like the communications, the, the even the shape that we were just talking about, that all comes together as a whole for influencing my view of species density. And again, I'm not going to go into my view just r- right now because I want to hear again. What do you think of the whole like um, presentation of this species? Um, just in, in comparison to other previous Star Trek reveals. It's not all at once. It's it's gradual and which which makes it more realistic as, as we've seen in other sci-fi, good sci-fi around first contact. Um, they, you know, there's... There's a lot of focus on on language and and um, how language is not necessarily just verbal and and how there are uh, they mentioned something called linkos, which is essentially 
um, a way to communicate, a real way to communicate, a real way that's been theorized to communicate with um, um, extraterrestrials if we ever encounter them. And so uh, it just felt very real. And I don't know if it felt different for Star Trek, but um, outside of Darmok and Tanagra, I think this is probably one of the best uh, first contacts in terms of realism. Well, and I think it's also, it's kind of cool the way they've done it because uh, at least, yeah, and I don't know if this will change in the next episode, but we still, it's still kind of nebulous and it's, um, uh, so they're able to really kind of break beyond that humanoid kind of um, template, you know, for lack of a better word, that gets used all the time. Um, so that's kind of cool too. Like we're still left guessing. Um, we don't, we don't quite have a grasp of what um, species 10C looks like fully yet. And, and who knows if we will, but, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of cool. And maybe they're not, I mean, it could also be one of those, they're not corporeal in the way that we are, or I, I don't know, you know, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, Star no Trek, for... sorry, go ahead, Rudy. I was saying we have no sense for scale as well, right? Size and or anything. We kind of saw something breach the, um, the the cloud, but and it was huge. But is that like an, a ship or is that the actual species? Or? Are, are the bones that we saw in their homeworld yeah. one of yeah, their people? Yeah. Um, which I mean, it it makes you think about size. Mm-hmm. Um, now the thing I'll say here is, you know, Rudy, you just reminded me of like Star Trek has to always up the ante, right? of their final frontier. So if you think about it this way, um, I am less familiar with the uh, original series, but maybe that was a little bit more like kind of we're just doing our own thing. And so every week it, it can be a little bit different. But when it came to like it, the franchise state with TNG, DS9, Voyager, they had to kind of give us different types of things that surprised us about their aliens. So like, for example, in TNG, we had the Borg who mm-hmm. are just, they don't care about anything. They just consume. And that was like freaky to us as viewers. In DS9, we had the Cardassians who, I mean, let's be honest, are essentially space Nazis. And so that was kind of an othering effect where we had to like then understand this species and the and the dynamics that went in. With Voyager, we got species 8472, which, which ups the ante on the Borg even. And it's like, mm. oh, the you think the Borg consume? Well, the Borg are afraid of these guys. They were not even humanoid. They were a fully animated alien for one of the few in, in Star Trek. So there have been these moments in which the ante has been upped. And I think we've hit one of those moments in, in Discovery where where the gauntlet has been thrown. I, I don't know where we go from here necessarily. Maybe the Traveler from TNG is the next step. <laughs> but um, Wait, really... You're saying Wesley's back or... Right, right, exactly. That's it. That's it. Uh, the ready room is no longer the after show. It is the show. Um, <laughs> but um, we we have the species that's type three on the Kardashev scale. You know, like maybe th- they are so advanced that they don't give a damn about anything Discovery can do. And they have to dumb themselves down to talk to our people. That's new for Star Trek. And I... I'm not let down at all. I am I am very let up, if you will. <laughs> uh, so I hope Adam feels the same way. We'll find out next week, hopefully. But um, yeah, I, I agree with everything that y'all have said so far. And I, I'm just very excited 
in some ways I'm very disappointed that there's just one more episode with these guys you know mm. uh before we go to, like I wish Except we had it just like... means one more episode with Tarka so that's good <laughs> First scene of the next episode, they just eat Ron Tarka, release Book and Jet Reno. It's like, yay, we got an episode of just talking to Species 10C. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I guess I'm very, I, I'm very excited. I guess it's also like, okay, where do we go from here? What does humanity do now that they've heard of a hyper sentient, incredibly advanced species across the galaxy? I guess we've seen that with Q, but this seems a little bit more kind of immediate and threatening. I think it depends on how it ends and I can't imagine it ending, you know, like in a way where there is no positive closure. There is no, um, sense of, of friendship, uh, or, you know, understanding with Q or, well, I guess with the caretaker, we saw two different kinds of caretaker. Um, but I, I, I think, and so Star Trek's been good at like showing these, like, crazy beings like crazy superior beings that we don't understand and somehow we converse at their level and somehow we get an upper hand and then they're gone they're gone for a season they're gone for a series and then they're back again so maybe that's what happens um i i, I think yeah I, i've not really i've not really considered the future of species 10c beyond this arc i think they'll just <laughs> go um and be brought back whatever um, required. But maybe we get a better understanding before that, hopefully. Emily, do you want more Species 10C after this season is over? Or are you thinking, yeah, one and done. Let's go back to our galaxy. I mean, I think there could be something interesting in that. I mean, because it's never... There is not usually a whole lot of time spent with species that are way more advanced than the Federation or than Starfleet. So that is pretty interesting. Um, you know, there'd be a lot to learn and a lot to uncover. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I am wondering if it's because I had I had the thought when they although I think they've got I, I think maybe they've got to go back to um, our galaxy just because I'm thinking of some of the people that were left behind, like, are they done? Is Ian Alexander not going to be on the show anymore? Because Gray is still back in the um, Milky Way while um, Adira's on Discovery. You know, I was trying to think, and we, but I mean, maybe there are other ways that they're going to address those characters. I don't know. Breaking up is the next lesson for Adira from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh... Like it's very, um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. I do feel confident that they will wrap up this story um, with that because they always do. And I actually really yeah. appreciate that about Discovery. I don't I don't want cliffhangers, especially with the way the shows are now. They there's like no guarantee that they're going to be back in three months or you know what I mean? There's like I mean, huge spans of time between when the shows have like between the seasons there's they, been... they, I think they have filmed they are filming or have finished yeah. filming the next season already yeah. so oh the whole season okay yeah I, think so. um, I know they've done like that with the card yeah yeah so I think the other thing that this brings up is that we found out last week that mushroom space ends at, with our galaxy so this is their way of kind of also giving us another undiscovered country right to give us a and i don't mean the movie i mean that like i meant that as as like a phrase um mm -hmm. 
where the, you know discovery can't just beam wherever it wants to go it ha- there are limits now those mm-hmm. limits just are at the edge of the galaxy where everybody mm-hmm. on the bridge has to hold hands because it's very scary mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so that is I, I i can see discovery doing more of that that now the final frontier is even more final and more of a frontier uh if you will you mean they will stay outside the galactic barrier and and or at least of... make journeys there that's the mm-hmm. new five-year mission is to other galaxies maybe who knows right mm-hmm. um so so stargate has dabbled with intergalactic travel just you know jumping across galaxies and then trying to move between galaxies and the distances are just like insane right like if you if you consider the width of um, diameter of galaxy, it's 200,000 uh, 200, light years, uh, or you know, one fifty to two hundred, and then the distance to the nearest galaxy is um, two million right uh, light years. So, unless there's like massive improvements in warp speed, there, there's opportunity to like look at rogue planets that are outside the galactic barrier and and cool stuff like that. Um, what I would like to say, though, and, and we've, we've beat on the, uh, going back to another topic very quickly, we beat on the whole uh, Tarka existence and plot side of things. I can see what they were trying to do there. There is a high stakes first contact situation. It's already complicated. And I guess you, you, you increase pressure on the need to communicate and communicate in in the presence of third party duress right like with mm-hmm. um with that darmok episode there was that beast right like going around and um with um with arrival there was something else there was like a war brewing some chinese general or something like that right so they were trying they're trying to portray that angle um but yeah they so so i i credit them for that uh, i i do agree though it didn't quite come cleanly or they didn't do they didn't do justice to the character arcs for both the both the both the book and uh, Tarka. Okay, all right. So let's uh, we gotta wrap up this episode here briefly. Um, uh, let me just say a few notes. Um, I thought the Zora plot was succinct and it didn't feel long. I think also this episode's emotional moments still continue to bother me. Like, why are we taking a break to like think about our feelings right now? Let's just keep going. I mean, I appreciate Discovery doing some of it, but it really is now grating on me a little bit that they, they keep doing that. Well, but, I mean, especially when the DMA is what, like now three hours from Earth or something like right. crazy. Like, focus, people. Focus. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that's just what the show is. And we're just going to learn to live with it. Um, and I think this episode did have less intrusive moments like that than maybe some others. So I could put up with it more. The overall quality of the episode, I think, just overpowered my frustrations maybe in that sense mm-hmm. um uh, yeah any any other final notes about this episode that you all would like to touch on other things that maybe we haven't discussed in more detail i'll just cycle through those external sci-fi references so we had arrival we had the uh, water bubble whatever pipe tunnel thing for from the abyss mm-hmm. and i felt that that silver sphere which then turned into an ellipsoid was from the movie sphere which if you haven't seen i think it's a nice movie again a first contact type of situation trying to interpret um a potentially alien uh entity or yeah is that the one where no that's con- i was thinking about contact 
the movie yeah, Contact, yeah. which which ends in a very unsatisfying way in my opinion. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. that we'll just leave that for next time. Um, Emily, any last thoughts before we move on to ratings? It was nice to have another super Star Trekky episode. Like I really, I just thought it was cool watching them try to figure out how to communicate and and bringing in different perspectives. I kind of liked that shout out to the importance of hearing from different voices. Um, You know, just I so that was that was just cool. I like that Star Trek stuff. (laughs) I I was definitely like, yo, why are you sending them away? Keep them. They could have more cool insight. (laughs) So like, let's bring them from the bridge. Okay. Thank you for your answer. Bye-bye. See you. Get away from here. (laughs) Yeah, but for sure, for sure. hundred percent agreed. All right. Well, let us stick our necks out. Give this episode a strange new rating. Who wants to go first and tell me what you think about Species 10C, the episode, not the people. (laughs) I'll, I'll go first. Um, okay, very quickly. Uh, I'll give it an 8 um, out of 10. Um, I liked the first contact stuff. I didn't hate the darker book stuff as much until I listened to y'all. Uh, <laughs> now I do. Um, so so I'm not going to give it more than that. Uh, 8 um, hydrocarbon farting darts out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to give it a four out of five. I was leaning towards a 4.5 out of five. Tarka, it makes me so mad though. Um, but Jet Reno made it better. So maybe I'll go 4.5 because 4. 5. Tarka, Tarka would have knocked it down the whole point. But but Jet Reno is cool enough that she could redeem the scenes that he was in. Oh, man. What am I going to do? So I gave an episode of Discovery 9.5. Uh, this season that's my highest rating generally though I've been in the fours fives the sixes and sevens <laughs> and so I'm trying to I'm trying to decide because part of me wants to give this a 10 to be perfectly honest with you oh. but I don't think it gets quite that it doesn't quite get there because you, you know could do a 9.75 <laughs> Right, right. Uh, when I think about 10, I think about like Pale Moonlight, these iconic episodes. And I, I wonder if this is going to become an iconic episode, you know, mm-hmm. with the lights and hydrocarbons. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know what? Fuck it. 10 out of 10. I think I go. think it does become iconic. I think we look back at this moment as Star Trek giving us something truly unique with its mm-hmm. alien species, uh, where the characters have to deal with something truly unknown um, and... and I think this, like you were saying, Emily, this exemplifies why we watch Star Trek, to think mm-hmm. about different ways of thinking and communicating, different ways of living and existing. And uh, I think, I, I yeah, I think this is an unironic 10 where I don't think I'm giving this like, credit that is undeserved. So um, I bet like, you know, Adam comes in and he's like, yeah, dude, for sure. Like, what are you talking about? Of course it's a 10. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Adam sounds like that, by the way. Uh, right 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 right. okay all right without further ado we've got another episode to record today so which you've already heard the listener so let's let's jump into the credits (laughs) thank you rudy thank you emily for talking about species 10c with me this episode so watched it was like i'm excited to talk to other people here we are here thanks Nash. yeah of course of course thank you dinah thank you max i will see you in in about an hour uh two of you but then bill thank you bill and thank you adam as well for being our other co-hosts thank you dear listeners for making time for us in your busy weeks and thank you just to go out for recording our theme music we always appreciate hearing you storming away and then special thanks to this week to zora for kind of making her plot kind of you know short succinct 
it was exactly what we needed. We didn't need to like go on and on about it. It was perfect. So special thanks to Zora this week. All right, everybody. See you in a week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.